Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh, producer here at Realm. A new episode of Ominous Thrill is ready for your ears. It's Advice After Dark. Late night radio host Belladonna delivers extreme advice to the delighted horror of her audience until a creepy listener forces her to confront the brutal consequences of her show. Here's a preview. Welcome to my live stream, Bella. Say hello to everyone. What do you want? Click the link. Watch along. I'm not clicking links from psychos. You put that trash on the radio every night and I'm the psycho. You sound like you need help. I'm not one of your fake callers. My show is very, very real. Do you want to know what it's called? No, I don't. It's called Belladonna Gets What's Coming. Starring you. What? It's really starring me. But it's all about you. And you'd be surprised how many people want to watch you get what's coming. I called the police. They'll be here any minute. Yeah, well, we should be done before they get here. Find Ominous Thrill out now, everywhere you listen. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, citizens, to Liberty, Tales from the Tower. As your media director, it is my privilege to inform you that the following stories will contain content some listeners will certainly find disturbing. We here at Tower 4 have a few very special announcements tonight. First, as you have probably noticed, Tales from the Tower has replaced your regularly seasonally scheduled broadcast. Your other favorite show will return in the summer season. In other news, the seasonal visual recreation collection viewing in Tower 9 has been cancelled by the Division of Interactive Media. The reason for the cancellation was confirmed as being the result of an overzealous yet vigilant chemical cleaning crew who ruptured a water pipe on a floor above the main exhibition hall. While most of the pieces were salvaged, a few pieces were irreparably damaged. Truly most unfortunate news. So, to bring some life back into your eyes, we'll get started with the story. Tonight's tale, Imposter, was written by Caitlin Statz and is read for us by Peter Lewis. So let us learn what can happen when you find yourself seemingly alone on the Skyrail. day. I had spent the majority of the morning alongside my colleagues in the lab, trying to solve a simple but project-halting flaw in our recent prototype. 
We did not overcome it this morning, but we were set on figuring it out by our shift's end later in the day. But as the time for the break grew nearer and nearer, the conversation shifted from solving our problem to solving our stomachs. My colleagues' collective attention span never seemed to match my own. Dr. Shale was celebrating her new research grant, and there was a consensus to go out for celebratory drinks during the break, an action greatly against every safety regulation. As the last few minutes of the morning shift ticked away, I grew excited and checked my data pad. There was a flashing light in the upper left hand, denoting I had missed a call. I excused myself from the off-topic chatter of my fellows and listened to the voicemail. Dr. Wallace? It was the voice of my floor's super, Mr. Miles. There appears to have been a problem with your residence mid-morning. Please come back to the apartment as soon as possible so we can address the issue. I'll be waiting. Mr. Miles was an older gentleman who was prone to underplaying the importance of an issue, so I excused myself from the upcoming drinks session with my colleagues and instead promptly left for the sky rail. It was a dark day, or perhaps it wasn't. The weather never seemed to change, but the sun could cast odd shadows at particular times. The streets and tunnels leading to the station seemed empty. Usually during break or shift changes, the sounds of hundreds and thousands of voices echoed off of the walls and the whole of the city felt alive. Empty, it just seemed so sterile, with halls of untarnished metal and towering buildings that cast dark lines everywhere. I was walking quickly, quite unsure of the train schedule at such an abnormal time. I thought about quite a few things in the silence of the walk to the sky rail. What was wrong with my apartment? When was the next train available? Was this station supposed to be closed? Is, is that why it was so silent? To drown out my thoughts, I switched on the shortwave and picked up some news chatter. I had heard it before, more advertisement than news. The chipper woman pitched a new face cream offering. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. She was just about to say the pitch again as the station came into sight. As I stepped up to the automatic door, the woman pitched again. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. As I stepped through, the shortwave twitched. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. All the help you I need to shut bring it life off. back to your eyes. The station had bad signal, it seemed. I was left with my thoughts. The station was empty. I had never seen such a sight. But when I looked at my clock, I knew it was due to the odd hour. No one was on break. No one was on shift change. Classes were in session, and this wasn't a very prime location for recreation. There was a ding and a flash of light to declare the incoming train, but there was no announcement. All trains out of this station stopped at the next as well, which happened to be my stop regardless. The train pulled up, 
reflecting flashes of light into the darker corners of the station hall, and the polite chime of the doors ushered me onto the train. There was no one in the train except for an older man sitting at the very end of the car. He was gangly, with tufts of white hair peeking from the end of his grey hood, and a generally clean appearance overall. He had taken one of the larger end seats reserved for disabled patrons and carried a hefty cane in his hands as he sat. I was anxious about my apartment and going to disembark at the next stop, so I forewent a seat even though all others were free. The train chimed again and the doors hissed closed. The emptiness of the station slowly slid away as the train began moving. As buildings passed by, the train was cast into alternating sessions of shadow and illumination. I took sideward glances at the old man at the end of the train. He looked a little less ragged after the lights flashed by. Even less so several flashes later. The wild white hair from under the hood seemed absent. Shifts of the light can do rather odd things. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. I jumped. The shortwave had twitched on. It ran again and again the over the same line. The I switched it off and chuckled, giving an embarrassed nod to the old man. He didn't look up, but I could see his lips curled back into a wide grin. He didn't look too old anymore, or too frail, and the wide, downcast grin didn't seem to be fading. I looked away, and in that moment I heard a loud knock. The man had forcefully planted his cane onto the train floor, but it no longer appeared as a cane. The handle appeared like the curve of a pipe, and the shaft was stained, rusted, and metallic. I then took notice of something I could only barely make out from afar. No mark. He had nothing. His hands were dirty and stained, but held no trace of citizenship. Upon closer inspection, lights flashing by, his clothes were dirty, no, filthy, and frayed, if not ragged. I finally brought my eyes up to his face. All the help you need to bring life back to your eyes. He stared right at me, some horrible intention pushing through his expression. His grin was lopsided, one end stretching past natural boundaries, exposing gums and molars, rotting and brown. He locked his eyes on me and stood. This was impossible. The clean old man was now some atrocity before me, approaching me. I dashed to the back of the train car and into the adjacent car. I could hear him approaching, not quickly, 
No running, but the sound of metal scratching metal as the pipe end dragged along the floor. I went to the next car, and the next, all of them, were empty, and I had reached the end of the train. He was in the next car over now, still grinning and dragging the pipe. I looked around for a weapon, anything to defend myself or attempt to. The thing before me now held no mercy in its eyes, and I am a small, weak person. The box under the seat read, in case of fire, and contained a fire blanket. I promptly ripped it free and wrapped it around my fist. I thought maybe I could break a window. I punched hard and screamed as I heard the audible crack of my bones. He was at the end of the previous car, now opening the doors. The train should have reached my stop by now. The train should have reached the next two stops by now. There should have been people at the station. There should have been people on the train. I stood at the very end of the train as the man walked towards me, the pipe tapping the poles along the way. That smile was not a smile. As he drew closer, I could see metal wires peeling back the skin around his mouth. And under his jacket was a shirt weaved from what I could only think of as hair. Looking down at me, he raised the pipe. I flinched as it came full force to my leg. But then only tapped me slightly. This time, he tried to smile with the wires. A practice swing. Then, the full force of the pipe crashed into me. And from there on, my memories are of black and searing white. A shouting woman awoke me in a blur, and medical staff buzzed around me. I was picked up, and the world moved around me. There were so many people now, at the station, in the halls, so many fuzzy people. They tell me that when they found me, it was morning. I had been in a train that was out of service for the night, and no one was sure how I had gotten there. The woman who found me had called for medical help. My legs were indistinguishable from the browned blood of the floor, smashed into the grain of the train. My hood had been torn from my head, and my hand 
had been mauled, the skin of my mark removed, and the bones of my thumb and pointer finger exposed. I overheard the nurses talking. It looked as though it had been bitten off. The doctors told me yesterday that I may never be able to walk again. But at least all of my hair will grow back. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast. Episode 1 of Tales from the Tower was written by Caitlin Statz and co-created and produced by Travis Vengroff. Imposter was read by Peter Lewis, with accompanying voices by Josh Steelman and Caitlin Statz. The music and sounds were designed by Careless Juja. The Liberty Tales from the Tower introduction theme was performed by Brandon Strader. If you would like more information about the world of Atreus, please check out libertyendures.com. You can also ask questions at our subreddit, Liberty Endures. To support the Liberty Podcast, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash libertypodcast. Liberty is a Fool and Scholar production, and this episode is trademarked by John Dossinger Publishing 2016. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you.